Welcome to the Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Your host, Sue Meyer, is a Catholic wife and homeschool mom of 11. She shares her knowledge of the study of natural alternative medicine with you. While this show is not intended to diagnose or name any disease, through her experience, Sue will share helpful information to help you further your study into the amazing world of homeopathy. And now, here's your host, Sue Meyer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Homeopathy for Mommies. I'm Sue Meyer. Today, we're talking about children. <laughs> um, actually, I love talking about kids. They're so uncomplicated and sweet. And Well, I think children are the best part of ourselves. I don't even know how to explain that, but... Without children in this world, I think it's going to be a very dull place. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, the title of this little podcast is Kids and Emotions. And I, when I was, I was asked to talk about this situation and I'm like, kids and emotions, there's no difference between kids and big people. And I'm like, as far as the remedies we give. But then when I started thinking about it and just giving it some thought, I'm like, oh my gosh, we give the same remedies for the same situation, but kids are in need where adults never would be, okay? Because children haven't yet expressed many of life's emotions or situations, whether they be good or bad. And, you know, like they've never been super exhilarated or super frightened. Like maybe they've, they've never been left alone. Or maybe they've never had a bad dream or, you know, maybe now that maybe they suddenly become afraid of the dark or of being lost. I can't go, mommy, I might get lost, you know, or just being separated from home or just familiar settings. People can, you know, kids can become frightened of these types of things where an adult never would be because they've already experienced so many different things. You know, a child can have shock from an accident. Just he can fall off his bike and where a big person is going to fall off their bike They're going to assess the situation. They're going to realize nothing was broken, so they're fine. You know, slap a Band-Aid on it, and they're going to be fine. But a kid, he can actually experience shock from something like that. And so, or any kind of accident, or shock from the death of a loved one, or from an injury, any kind of injury, or just simply having witnessed a tragic accident. And like I said, all of these things, when I stop to really think about all the things that can affect a child that would never affect an adult. I, uh, I, I, and I'll give you an example. Okay. Um, and I hope my daughter doesn't listen to this podcast, but um, <laughs> my kids don't listen to my podcast. So I don't have to worry about it too much. But anyway, when my grandma died, I had, one of my daughters was seven years old. No, she was younger than that. I think she was five when my grandma died. And so and we had been taking care of grandma. She was, she was in her apartment and we had one teenage kid and one adult on and we covered you know we each had an eight-hour shift and we covered three shifts a day with because we had we have a very large family my between my sisters and my parents and and my nieces and nephews and all my girls we were able to keep grandma home and take care of her and she had a wonderful last four months she was chatty right up to the end she was coherent she wasn't on any medications and it was a wonderful time with grandma and everyone knew grandma was dying Okay, we talked about it freely. Grandma talked about her childhood growing up, and 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 she this she told the stories that she wanted the kids to know. She told the stories she wanted us to know. She asked questions about things that she 
was always curious about. It was, it was a wonderful time with grandma. Anyway, so everyone, all the children knew all the way down to, I think my, I was, I was expecting my 10th child when she died. And so the baby would have been two. And so, yeah, yeah, then I had a, I had a five-year-old. And uh, so even the five-year-old understood grandma's dying. They all got to say goodbye to her. The day she died, or was the day before she died, she had, she asked all the grandkids to come and see her. And she gathered them in her room, one family at a time. And she says, okay, grandma wants you to go through everything in her apartment. um, And you get to pick one thing and you get to call that your keepsake from grandma. And so each of the kids, it was so precious that each of the kids went through her apartment. They got, grandma, look what I'm going to keep. And grandma say, oh yeah. And then she'd tell them a story about that thing. And it was just, it was so beautiful. And so anyway, grandma died, right? Grandma died that night. And, um. So then we prepare for the, for the funeral and nothing was a terrible shock because we were ready for it. She literally died a perfect death. I mean, for the family, <laughs> she did. We all got to say goodbye. We got to give her hugs and kisses and we love you, grandma. And we're going to keep praying for you. And just, it was a beautiful, beautiful death. So anyway, she died. We were all sad. We cried. And then it's time to prepare for the funeral. So we get dressed that morning. And I says, we're going to grandma's funeral. And my five-year-old looked up at me like, oh, okay. I says, yes. I says, honey, before the funeral, we're going to go see grandma. Okay. And years later, I mean, she went into, she walked up to the casket and she, she went hysterical. And she started screaming. My mom had to take her. She took her away and she talked her, talked her down. And I wish I would have had a dose of aconite for that moment. But anyway, long story short, she, years later, she says, Mom, when you told me we're going to go see Grandma, I thought she was alive again. See what I'm saying? No, no adult is going to have that. You know, they're not going to worry about They're not going to have that, that feeling. But a child, they literally take things literal, okay? <laughs> they hear an adult say something, they take them literal. Have I ever told you guys a story about when the Merv Griffin show was on? I walked through the room. I was eight years old. <laughs> and to this day, I don't know who that man was. He's a very famous actor back in the like 50s and 60s. And so anyway, I was eight years old. And so it would have been like in the 1970. And Merv Griffin, he, he tells the audience, okay, give a big hand to the man who invented the smile. And my mom was standing at the ironing board. She was ironing. And I walk through the, the dining room and where she was at. And because um, she had the ironing board set up in there and the TV's going on in the living room. And, and I heard, give a big hand to the man who invented the smile. And I stopped. And I looked and I watched this man come in. Sure enough, he's got a big smile on his face. And like I said, someday I'll remember his name. Anyway, and um, I just looked at, watched this, this greeting for this man who invented this smile. I'm like, I stood there and I wondered, well, what did they do before he invented the smile? And then I'm like, oh, that explains why nobody was smiling in any of those old pictures. (laughs) Eight years old, guys. Okay. And I, I took him literal. It was quite a few years after that before I went, oh my gosh, <laughs> it, was, it was figurative. <laughs> but I remembered that moment and kids are like that. They will take you literally. So don't tease them and, and just expect them to understand what you're talking about. You really, really have to explain things to them. And so like when I said to my daughter, we're going to go see grandma, you know, in her mind, grandma was alive again. And well, she hadn't seen her dead body. So in her mind, she knew grandma died. But if we're going to go see her, maybe she's, you know, she didn't understand death. 
So we have to think about the fact that our children really, really have these experiences like this and we can't belittle them for that either. So how do we, how do we cope with this, right? If a child has a loving, caring adult that can explain things to them, like if they go into a, a little shock, then a loving adult with their arms around them and words of, you know, sympathy or ex- explanatory words, that's going to help to pull them out of that little mini shock that they're experiencing. And the reason that kids will go into those little, like, modes of shock or fear is because they don't have the language to put to a situation. So I have a, I have a young lady I'm thinking of right now, and she, okay, there's, there's some family, a family situation going on. And so I was working on her one day. Um, I was doing some cranial work on her and I asked her, I says, how, how have you been lately? Mm. And she said, sad. And I said, sad. I says, what's been going on? She just shrugs. She doesn't know. She can't tell me. And, but she knows the word sad. She doesn't know how it makes her feel. She can't explain how it makes her feel. She doesn't know what to do about it. She, she can't put it into words. And, but she does know the word sad. In other words, it's not a good situation. It's not a happy situation, but she doesn't know what to do with that. And she, so it's actually been making her ill. Okay. And so if an adult, like when I'm talking to her, working with her, I don't want to put things in her mind because if I do that, then it could confuse the situation further. I just want her to understand that, oh, it's, it's hard to be sad sometimes, but you know, if you do this and you do that, that might, that might help make you feel better. Or if you can just talk, or if you can just cry when you feel sad, just talk with the words you know about. And I don't give her any words. I just say, just talk with the words you know, you do know. And like I said, and it's okay to cry and it's okay to, you know, need to go out and run around the house 10 times to blow off some steam. It's okay to do those things, but just help them to understand that it's okay not to have the language. It's okay not to have the words. It's okay to feel sad, but not to harbor it. Get it out somehow, some way, whether it be through activity or tears or a hot tub or whatever, that they need to be able to express that. And I do tell little kids all the way down to as long as they can understand my, my speech, I do tell them that it's absolutely okay to cry. It's absolutely okay to feel sad. It's absolutely okay to be afraid, but it's not okay to keep it to yourself. You must express it. Not, 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 not with rage necessarily or anger, but you can cry. You can talk to anybody. Um, you know, mommy's usually the best one to talk to if she's available or grandma or grandpa or daddy. Any adult is okay to talk to so long as you're comfortable with that adult. As long as you're not being forced to talk to that adult. Even a brother or sister, even a pet. Tell your doggy your problems, but say it. Say it out loud. Tell your doggy why you're sad. And the more you express it, the less sad you're going to be. Tell God. Go right to the source. Doesn't matter as long as they're expressing it. Because like I said, they don't have the language. And that's why it's really, really hard for little kids to to work through a situation. Yeah, because if a little kid goes out there and he acts, he sees his dog get run over. Okay, that actually happened to us one time. I came home and my kids come tearing up to me and a little puppy had gotten killed run over and killed on the road and these kids were so traumatized I you know I didn't know how to handle it in the sense that okay that's really sad I cried it was really really sad but as an adult I know that that wasn't the end of the world 
But for these kids, that was pretty much the end of their little world. Their puppy was just killed in front of them. And so when that happens, you know, that child is traumatized. And so how does, how does the child handle this? It depends. Many factors depend on this. So like, if, does the child have a loving parent or guardian that can show both physical and emotional sympathy? In that way, when they show that physical and emotional sympathy, they're giving the child the language that he or she needs to put words to his emotions, his feelings. And just that alone can bring balance to the way that that child is feeling. Does the child have a solid moral foundation and the ability to understand the cycle of life and death, of accidents? Things happen. We can't control everything. So all of, when we sit our kids down, we talk to them about these things, these traumas that are occurring, then they can grasp, they get the language, they grasp what, what the reality of that. But if they're not allowed to express or have someone help them to understand what they're feeling, then that child is going to go into a shell and everything, he's going to internalize everything. And that's, that is not good. It's not good at all. But you know, it's, it's not just adults, it's, or children, it's actually adults too. And they go through something that's so horrific that they can't put words to. They'll go right inside. They'll, they suppress the feelings because they want to cry or scream or they can't process that. And it's not socially acceptable for an adult to run around crying all the time. Okay. So he has to suppress the feelings. When those feelings get suppressed, you know, then they don't go away. They get locked away inside until that person has the appropriate language so that they can work through that suppressed event. If the trauma is thoroughly understood by the child or the adult, even as late as like, okay, so like the child finally has the language when he's a teen or an adult, then the body then the mind can release the suppressed event for good, but not until then. And then by that time, it's been suppressed for so long that it's going to be quite traumatic when it comes out again. You hear this about, um, you know, children who have been hurt when they're really young, and then they, they don't understand what happened. It's like a horrible dream or nightmare. And then when they get older, they realize that that event really happened to them. They just never had the language to put to that. And then they have to relive that. Well, as that memory comes back to them now that they have the language. And so homeopathy will come in very, very handy for situations like that. If the trauma is not thoroughly understood emotionally or morally, then the suppression will continue to come up as a fright or a misconception in the person's psyche. Like I said, this is why homeopathy is so wonderful for emotions. So we can use homeopathy for any traumatic event right at the moment of, moment of that trauma. Or we can just simply wait to see if anything arises. Like, you know, like seriously, if a kid is just crying normally and you can sit there and hug the child and you can, you know, reassure them that um, things are going to be okay. You're here to help them through it. You're here to, you know, you're not going to leave them or whatever's going on. And the child, you know, the, the crying subsides, the smile returns to the face normal color comes back, then you may not have to use any homeopathic remedies. But there's a million different things that can happen, you know, if there's a trauma or an accident. I mean, there can be, you know, pallor, the, they can lose all their color, they can go into a blank stare, they can um, cry hysterically, sobbing, hysteria is like <laughs> that kind of crying. Um, there's a million different things that can happen. They can even start developing nightmares, you know, screaming in the middle of the night, um, they can just go into a, a mode of silence and withdraw that way and not talk to anyone. I, I know a young lady that, well, happened before I met her, but, and I wasn't using homeopathy at that time either, but she had gone away to a camp of some sort. And when she came back, 
she withdrew to her room. No one ever did know what happened to her. Now, even to this day, she's on um, you know, psychotic drugs because she can't, can't literally function in the real world. And things can happen so, they can be so traumatic to a, to a person, but it's almost always when they don't have the language to put to it. So it's something that's out of their realm of understanding. So that's why language is so, so important. And it's so important for someone to be there if something should occur. That's why children have parents, right, folks? <laughs> okay. So what I've done here is, yes, you know, children and adults, we take the same remedies for the same issues. It's just that children need them more frequently because, like I said, they don't have the information. They don't have the language to put to their fear, their fright, their shock, their trauma, their sadness. So just be handy with the remedies for them and don't hesitate to give them. And like I said, if, if you think that your child isn't snapping out of it within a reasonable, reasonable amount of time, and I say reasonable, I give my kids, I know when something bad happens, I give my kids, you know, half hour to just start pulling out of it. And if they don't by that time, I don't hesitate to give a remedy. And when I say don't hesitate to give a remedy, it would usually with like with my kids uh, later in life, I did give Ipecac. Okay. I didn't have homeopathy when my kids were real small, but I, you know, thank the good Lord. There was nothing other than just, well, the head trauma of my daughter was pretty, that was pretty shocking. I wish I would have had some remedies then for everyone. I, never, I didn't think about them though, but I think that we all came out of it simply because we talked all the time. You know, we, we stayed in contact and we forced each other to talk. It's very important not to let someone withdraw. And even with adults, I've had, I've had cases of adults that had undergone um, traumas, um, even in their adult life. And it's not that they didn't have the language to put to it. It's just that it is not socially acceptable to cry or withdraw and so they just force, force themselves to suppress the way they felt. So years and years and years go by and all sorts of physical ailments will happen. Because like I, I'm always telling people, you'll ne you go to an insane asylum, you're never going to see anybody in that insane asylum with, with arthritis or with stomach ulcers or with a bad back, okay? Because a healthy mind will throw symptoms externally. And those are the warning signals of what that person needs. It needs help. It needs it, it wants wants a remedy or wants someone to talk to them wants a remedy to help bring balance again and so the mind throws symptoms externally if that mind isn't healthy enough to throw those symptoms externally then the mind will break if the if the trauma is too great and we don't we don't want people's minds to break right and those are the hypersensitive souls we want to help them okay so we give them a remedy you know and obviously the number one remedy for sudden fear or panic or fright is aconite. And and if you listen to any of these podcasts, you're gonna know that aconite is the number one remedy for fright. Okay? The kind of fright where they're afraid they might die. It's it's an amazing, it's amazing remedy. It's the kind of remedy it's 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 also for exposure, by the way. Okay, you're st stuck out in the cold, wet rain or whatever, take aconitum and you're gonna feel better. But it's for panic. It's also for fear of flying. Little kids might get really scared, or even adults might get really scared, fear of flying. <laughs> um, it's just the way it is. It's for panic, um, remedies that are good for panic due to having witnessed an accident, which for little kids, this is really quite common. I mean, they see their first accident and they just go ballistic. 
aconite again because, again, it's a great fear. It's the number one fear. And then we think of calcarb. That type of child, the calcarb child, would might have a great fear um, after having a shock, after having witnessed a accident. And opium. Opium is a really good remedy for that as well. I was actually surprised when I put this together how often opium is is mentioned for the type of shock or surprise or panic for people. And then you have people, the surprise of bad news, the surprise of good news. Have you ever seen people like on this, these shows, like back in the good old days when Bob Barker used to be on and he'd come on down and these people would just come down screaming. They'd be tr- truly, truly hysterical. And it would take them how long to calm down on the stage, right? <laughs> The surprise of good news, kathia or opium, uh, fear with diarrhea, restlessness and anticipation. One remedy listed there, and that's Argentum nitricum. That's that's an that's one of the most popular remedies. You know, it's the sugar poisoning remedy. That's um, like I said, uh, fear with diarrhea, stage fright, or restlessness, anticipation. They get little kids that get so excited that they get to go somewhere, they get diarrhea, or they have to go potty all the time. I always think of Argentum nitricum paralyzing fear with diarrhea, trembling, gelsemium. We say paralyzing fear. Gelsemium is, I don't want to, I think I did a talk about gelsemium once. It must have been, maybe it's on my crash course. But um, I remember I had a, a friend, I used to work with her, and I always thought she was so pretty. I was just a young, oh my gosh, I was actually in high school. And she was a nurse. And I just I just remember thinking, she was always so happy, just smiling all the time. And not, not crazy happy, but just Truly, you could just see her cheeks, her rosy cheeks, and she always had a smile for all the patients. And I just admired her tremendously. And then I remember when I got to meet her husband, I was a little bit older, I got to meet her husband, and he was just as sweet. Anyway, years went by, and I can't remember where he worked, but the next time I seen him, and he was a young man, he must have been like maybe 40, and he had gone from brown hair to completely white hair overnight completely white. So anyway, can't remember what somebody said, something had happened to him. It was a shock. Something had happened and he actually literally went white overnight. And that's one of the shocks of gelsemium. So if he would have had gelsemium for that type of fear that he had undergone, and I don't remember if it was an accident or something. I can't remember. Anyway, he went white overnight and it never, his hair color never returned. And they talk about army men. Um, Marie Antoinette literally went night white overnight that paralyzing fear will cause all the color to leave their hair and it doesn't return so it's you know that's a it's a remedy to remember for like i said it's completely paralyzing fear and there's that trembling that that trembling body whenever i think of whenever i think of trembling i always think of gelsemium always gelsemium fear of failure and perfectionism cares what others will think of them a silica Cilicia, again, we talked about cinchona in a podcast here recently, and silicia was always just that, cilicia. Now it's known as silica so often, so either or. Um, and the silica child is always, always, that's one of their main things is that they care deeply what others think. And so if a child is going is in a situation where they're worried about what other people think, then give them a dose of silica. It's going to snap them right out of it. And if they have to give a speech up in front of the class and they're just scared the kids are going to laugh at them, give them a dose of silica. It's just amazing how that remedy will work. Fatigue. I'm complete exhaustion from mental effort. I just threw this in here because, believe it or not, kids can't. We don't think about kids um, going into this state, this picric acid state, but they can. 
They really, really can. They've been working really, really hard trying to make mommy happy. They've been trying to get the best grades that they can. And they can actually become very exhausted from this, especially when they get older. Homesickness. I wished I would have had these remedies when I was a kid because I had such terrible homesickness. You can't believe it. And like I said, I would lay awake nights staring out the bedroom window waiting for the mercury light to go off so I knew I could go home pretty soon. But homesickness and nostalgia, separation for a child, capsicum is the number one remedy. We have carboanimaleus, agnasia, mercurius, phosphoric acid, and iodum. So depending on the child and... Now, I didn't go into like the Ignatia stated, but Ignatia can actually... It doesn't have to be physical hysteria. It can be suppressed hysteria as well. Indignation, repressed anger, and a great sense of offense. Um, Staphysagria and colosynth from sexual abuse. Lacanum and Staphysagria are the two main remedies for that. For remembering an old fright, from remembering an old fright, natmer and opium. If someone's traumatized by riots or a terrible experience, Argentum nitricum and gelsemium. From watching horror movies, this is one I think a parent of every teenager needs because how many times have we heard our teenagers have residual effects from watching a horror movie? Personally, I have never sat through a horror movie. I wanted to try watching a few of them, like when we were first married and stuff. I would get like one minute into the movie and then I couldn't watch it. Um, And my kids, I tell them I don't want them watching them, but I find out later that they did or they have. And then I find out the kind of nightmares they had following the remedy Mancinella is a really good remedy for that. From being the victim of theft or fears, the loss of material things or fears poisoning, arsenicum. We say the feeling of being a victim of theft. Um, I always think of older people who, like, they start to get really paranoid that somebody's stealing from them, um, that intruders are in the house or they somebody came into the house and stole something. Always think of arsenicum. But little kids can think that too. They can say, hey, I think somebody took my stuff. Half of my stuff is gone. When you hear your child say that, give them a dose of arsenicum. And that's just going to balance, okay? It's just really, and think about it. Now that you've heard me say this, you're going you're gonna to hear children saying this more often than you think. Fact is, you'll hear it a lot. And tell their parents, hey, why don't you give little Joey there a, a dose of arsenicum? All right. Excessive caring and lack of sleep and nervous exhaustion, weak and dizzy. They might not, kids might not necessarily feel weak and dizzy. An older person might start to feel weak and dizzy. Kids aren't going to say that so much, but excessive caring, um, you know, coculus is the remedy for that. But little kids can be excessively caring as well. They can actually wear themselves out trying to help mommy when mommy doesn't feel well. Um, That's usually, you know, girls, but boys can do it too. And I'll tell you what, don't hesitate to give your kids this remedy if they are that type of conscientious child because they can actually go into that state of nervous exhaustion where they're just beside themselves trying to take care of those they love. Another, um, (laughs) this is one that a lot of moms are going to say, oh, I need that remedy. Um, When the child is irritable, um, they have a lot of ambition, but they have a bad temper or, you know, they're, they're, they're just busy and they have a sour temper. I won't say bad temper, but they are more worried about their activities than they are the people around them. Don't hesitate to give them a dose of Nux Vomica. Now here we are with the hysterical grief or like I said contained grief. Sighs and sobs and hyperventilation is Ignatia. So I say contained grief that's suppressed grief and a lot of people will they can go from hysterical state to like okay I'm fine or whatever or they can be fine and never go into that hysterical state. It's suppressed. You, they need Ignatia so that they can release that 
sadness. Um, for one who feels responsible for the loss, a protective sense of responsibility is Aurum. And this is an amazing remedy because we don't really stop to think about how many people um, need something because they, they might not necessarily feel the sorrow, the deep sorrow of like the Ignatia person for something that's happened, but they could have a deep sense of responsibility. They could feel that, maybe call it guilt, but they feel that, that deep sense of responsibility and that's an Aurum. That's an Aurum need. For those who feel responsible but feels betrayed and is lonely, that's a orum neuroticum natrum. For a lack of confidence, constant doubt, they go blank or blocked, and a cardium. Like I say, this is a little bit more the kids' emotions. This is a little more than just emotions. But being as though we talked about how kids see things versus the way adults see things, if you just stop and think about it for a little while, um, you know, what's wrong with my kid? You know, he has been acting himself lately. Just give it a few minutes and think about what's been going on in his life and, and try to think about the language he may or may not have to apply to the situation he's in. Because little kids, sure, they don't have the, you know, all the worries of life's, you know, stresses on their shoulders, but yet they do because their world is their world. You know, they interact and with everyone in their household and with the people in their school and the church and the, on the playground, but they still have real problems because they're real little people. It's just that the problems aren't of those of responsibility necessarily, but their problems are trying to figure out how to interact with others around them in a way that's socially acceptable, the way it's going to please their parents, the way the, the priest is telling their other pastors, telling them that they're supposed to be living. And they're trying to get it all figured out. And that's that's quite a bit for a little kid. And when something happens that's out of their comfort zone, they're going to experience an emotion, whether it be shock, fright, fear, sadness. And if, like I said, and as the language comes, then it's, they can handle it better. But when they don't have that language yet, and it's just going to take a bit more and we can help them with homeopathic remedies. So I hope this helps. I don't, I don't know if this is what Joy wanted me to talk about or not. <laughs> But kids are just, like I said, if we can keep the communication open between ourselves and our children, then they're going to be fine. You know, they really are because they know we love them. But you have to say it. I'm always telling my, <laughs> I'm always telling my kids. I can remember as a, as a young mother and, you know, I was overly conscientious. I mean, I was, I would tell my kids everything. We said our prayers every day. We, you know, we had r routine. Routine was so important in my life. We, you know, every morning we had morning prayers. We had breakfast. We had chores. We had prayers before meals, prayers at night. And we always talked. We always had a little family meeting every day. Like when, um, all through the summer months, we always made sure we had a family meeting in the morning so that I could explain to the kids everything that needed to be done. We had a hobby farm. It wasn't a spectacular amount of work, but we all, it, we all had to do our jobs in order for everyone to be able to be done by noon because my goal was to be done with all the work by noon, whether it be the laundry, the cooking, the baking, the supper in the crock pot, laundry had to be done and animals fed and everything had to be done so that we could play. <laughs> okay, whether it be, you know, lay out in the sun, go to the lake, go bike riding, go over to grandma's, whatever we were going to do. Everyone I had, I always talk to my kids so that we're all on the same page so that they could look forward to the day's events. And because I enjoy work so long as I know there's an end to that job. <laughs> and I assume everyone else feels the same way. Anyway, so open communication is very, very important. And that little family meeting time also gives kids a chance to express their grievances. <laughs> hey, why do I always get stuck doing that? You know, because you're good at it, honey. <laughs> but 
it's very important that they have they have a little voice you know it's not like I would tolerate arguing because what I said was what was going to happen but I did like their opinions I really truly did because sometimes they had a better idea than I did but at the same time it gave them the chance to learn how to express themselves and that is really really important um, because there's a lot of people in this world that do not know how to express themselves in an effective way so anyway just something to think about folks because our children are our greatest treasure and we need to treat that treasure with kindness and love all right I hope this helps. <laughs> May God bless you and yours. Thanks for listening to this episode of Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Please visit Sue on her website, homeopathyformommies.com, and join us right here at homeopathyformommiesradio.com, Wednesday, noon Eastern. As always, we pray the Lord blesses you with good health, vitality, strength, and wisdom.